You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right, please enjoy this conversation. Got an exciting, exciting podcast interview for you today with Harris Milgram. Harris, oh, hey, he's right into it. He's been in Cats and he's been in Tootsie currently. And we're really excited to uh, get to know Harris Got to see him in the show a few weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it was super fun. Uh, what do they say? You'll laugh your ass off. Yeah, no, they say you'll laugh your mascara off. Oh, that one? Okay, that one too. Yeah. I didn't have any on at uh, that night, but if I did, I bet you I would have laughed it <laughs> off. So um, let's get right into it. I like to kind of break up our interviews in like a, a fitness session. So we're going to do some uh, pre-workout, going to take our BCAAs, get ready for this session with a silly question. So Harris. Yeah. If you were a means of transportation, what would you be and why? I think that I would be a bicycle because it requires balance to stay on it and keep moving forward. And sometimes you don't want to do that. So you just throw it, you know, on the lawn in front of the house and sit on your ass on the couch. You kind of have to know where you're going if you want to get somewhere. And if you don't feel like really going anywhere, you can just ride around town wherever you feel like. Yeah. So I think it'd be a bike. Have you ever been to Amsterdam? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's it's the bike capital of the world. There's supposedly more bicycles than there are people in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam? Exactly, in Amsterdam. Huh. They also, I can't remember the number now, but they dredge a ridiculous amount of bicycles from the bottom of the canals, the water, every year because the like square footage in the bike racks are so jam-packed with like bikes on top of bikes. Uh-huh. Like bikes locked where they shouldn't even possibly be able to be locked up, but they are. So they go to the bridge and they'll do it on the bridge and then the bridge gets taken up. So they put the bike over the railing on the other side of the railing. To lock it. To lock it. And my hypothesis is that 
in the means in the midst of doing that they drop their bike into oh, the water. Oh, that sucks. Amsterdam's beautiful. You got to go. I do. I really have to go. I never go anywhere on vacation. I'm trying to find a place to go. So Amsterdam is definitely uh, on the list of that, you know, because mm-hmm. who doesn't like a little, you know, yeah. and uh, oh, like oh, go yeah. for a little bike ride. It's supposed to be beautiful. and Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's warm up now. <laughs> let's get a little warm up in. In Tootsie, yeah. the lead character, Michael Dorsey, he's just not making it mm-hmm. as an actor. He's struggling. And he's 40. And he's 40. Fuck. Man, he's. Am I allowed to curse on this? I mean, you can do whatever you want, okay, and if I don't like it, I'll just edit it oh, out. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot of editing then, because I have a foul, foul mouth. All right, so all of you middle school theater students out there, just go ahead and hit the pause and next button on you. No, I'm just kidding. That's exactly what they're doing right now. I can't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, going back to the 40-year-old Michael Dorsey, he decides to dress as a woman and starts throwing his hat into the ring for female roles, for actress roles. If you were to do the same, which actress role, which role in a musical or play would you dream of playing? There are two at the top of my list. The first one would be The Witch and Into the Woods. Uh, It's just an incredible role. Uh, There are oftentimes I speak very bluntly to people in, uh, you know, my day-to-day life. And they're like, ooh, that was harsh. I say, I'm not good. I'm not nice. I'm just right. I'm the witch. Uh, (laughs) That's sort of how I... Uh, you know, navigate through life is I just like to speak my mind, you know, and say what I think is uh-huh. is sort of what it is. So I relate to that character. Uh, also, she has a lot of vulnerability that, you know, we don't get to see throughout the entire show. There are pockets of it that we see, which really humanizes her. And I just love that dichotomy in a character of having like sort of a, a, a dark, uh, sterile aspect that then we get to see is like, you know, warm and sensitive. Uh, it's just fun to play. And then another role that I would love to play is Sally Bowles in Cabaret. There's a similar thing there of like that darkness and that acerbic, you know, tone. Uh, and then some real nice meaty vulnerable spots where we get to really see what's inside that character's heart. It's really cool. All right. Very nice. Any particular song that makes you want to play these roles? Oh, um, Children Will Listen is The Witch is obviously, you know, just an incredible song and, and speaks so much to me. And I think a lot of people... I think it's just a very impactful, you know, message about really speaking the truth and being tender and careful about how you word things and and what you say in terms of your perspective. Because, uh, and not even just children, we're all you know children to an extent. It's it's really about communicating eloquently and the best that you can, uh, and I think that's a beautiful message. And for Sally Bowles, Cabaret is my favorite music theater song ever. Mm. And that's all about, you know, sort of taking the the difficulty of life and and owning that and not shying away from it and really wanting to like dig in and just enjoy life for what it is because we don't have it for for too long. Mm. Yeah. Bill for the stage fam, Casey Garvin mm-hmm. loves Into the Woods as well. He Ma- used to be my roommate. Ah, <laughs> you guys should be the princes in the uh, coming revival of Into the yes, Woods. Yes, we should. I'm putting that out into the world right now. <laughs> All right, strength session. Gonna get strong here. What happened between Cats and Tootsie? So the question meaning, uh, in fitness, I like to parallel things to fitness, obviously. I I hope I would on the podcast. But it's not just like, you know, rainbows and unicorns 24-7. Everything's great. So there's a a, a grind involved, right? Yeah, absolutely. Did any of that go on in between 
the the time you were making your Broadway debut in Cats to it closing mm -hmm. and then you getting uh, Tootsie. Yeah, so I was a swing on Cat, um, which was probably the hardest job I've ever had. And I had I had always received appointments to audition for a swing position, which I immediately turned down because swinging is the hardest job on Broadway. I knew that I would be very good at it. <laughs> mm. And I, you know, it's- the Why so to interrupt? Oh, why so? I, I don't, I, I believe in multitasking. I mean, I don't, I don't really believe in multitasking. I think you should do one thing at a time. But when it comes to, you know, doing a lot of skills that appear to be happening at once, um, how my brain works in terms of shifting back and forth between things, my brain works pretty quickly like that. I have uh, strong attention to detail and I'm a bit of a workhorse. So, mm. you know, like perfect swing, someone who pays attention, who is hungry to learn, who likes everything to be as accurate as possible. Um, I have the skill sets to sort of uh, dip into any role or track, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, and for those reasons, I kind of wanted to avoid being a swing because it's very easy to get uh, pigeonholed as that because it's a, such a valuable uh, member of a company. Mm -hmm. and, oh, Harris, he's the swing guy. Yeah, this, yeah. well, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that's definitely what happens. And there are people who who thrive on being a swing. They love to be, you know, the hero and save the day and step in and do a wonderful job. And there, there are people who are fantastic at it. And it really, um, it thrills them. And I was ready to make my Broadway debut. And I was like, well, fuck it. If it means accepting a swing position, then sure. If that's what I need to do to, you know, get my Broadway credit mm -hmm. um, and sort of get an in, then fine. Because I know I can do it. My trepidation was knowing that I can do it and then getting sort of stuck in that. Because that's not what I what I want out of my career. I, I want to continue to grow and move and do other things. And, and uh, swinging takes a lot out of you. It's a very selfless mm. job. Yeah. And, you know, I'm an actor. Like, there are parts where I want people to look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's not very much not what swinging is about. So everyone who, who loves being a swing, God bless them, you mm -hmm. know? Because um, I know how hard it is on, on your soul uh, and your body and your mind. And now I lost my train of so thought. So, yeah, so that was Cats, then Cats ended. Oh, okay, and, and then, so. And the road to Tootsie. Th so the road to Tootsie. <laughs> the road to Tootsie. So a friend of mine who was a casting director in New York at the time, we were having a dinner and uh, we never talk about business you know, when we're hanging out and he was like, all right, let's, let's do a little business talk right now. I just want to like put that hat on. Cause I'm just curious and I want to know. And, and, uh, we can talk about this right now. I said, sure. Well, you know, what do you want to know? And he asked me, you know, how I was being a swing? I said, you know, I learned a lot, but I don't really want to do it again. And he said, uh, this is part of the, you know, strength training thing that we're uh, moving toward mm -hmm. is he said, you know, well, if you don't want to be a swing, you're going to have to start turning down a lot of work because you're a good swing. And, um, People are going to know that and want that, and it is—it's a valuable position. So people are going to need that of you. So if you don't want to do that, you're going to have to say no. And I said, "All right, well, I'm willing to." And sure enough, I was offered three swing contracts directly after that, and I—I I turned them all down because I—I I knew in my heart that's not what I wanted. And I actually had to tell my agents. I said, "Please tell you know these people that that's not what I do," which is a hard thing to to ask of. Your representation and to ask of you know in a casting offices because you're basically just 
telling them no. And it's hard, especially when you're, you know, a performer to tell people no, because we're such people pleasers and we want to do the right thing and we want to be there. And it's such a, you know, team effort and you want to help everyone. But uh, you kind of have to set that aside and, and really think about the bigger picture in the long run and sort of the career you're trying to build and navigate. And sometimes that means saying no to things and having to sort of have the balls to own that for yourself and, and move through it. And when you learn how to say no in a diplomatic and proper way, it, it definitely sort of builds that up for you, uh, the ability to do that in the future when push comes to shove and it's necessary. So I definitely got stronger in my convictions of knowing what I want and how to move forward without, you know, pissing anybody off. Yeah. Love that. Conditioning. What is one thing that you pretty much do on a daily basis that keeps you at your best? Um, I try to read every day um, for a couple reasons. One, because everyone should read a book or a magazine or just, you know, something textual. And uh, part of it is that I like to learn new things. Um, I like to challenge myself to learn new things or feel educated, you know, because it's very easy in this uh, day and age to not, you know, when you're swiping through Instagram and all that stuff, which believe me, I definitely love to do and also sort of hate to do. And I, I try to force myself to do it as little as possible. But also reading was always kind of difficult for me growing up. I don't know why. I think it's just because my, you know, I, I'm not ADD or anything like that, or I, maybe I am and I don't know. I was never tested, but in school, it was very hard for me to focus on just reading and uh, so I never did, and I, I knew I was sort of missing out on a lot of knowledge and education and just opening my brain up. So I would force myself to read things that I found tiring or challenging. And it's sort of also like the strength training thing that we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, building up that stamina to really invest and pay attention and focus and absorb uh, what you're reading and I find it kind of a meditation. It tells me a lot about where my brain is at if I'm able to sit on a crowded train with a lot of noise and actually remember the two sentences I just read. Uh, that that shows me that I am in a good headspace where I can actually zone everything out and really focus in. And when I can't, you know, when someone's you know next to me listening to music or watching a video without their headphones because it's New York City and people have no courtesy anymore. It's it's a reminder of like, oh, I'm there must be some meditative thing that I need to work on to to remember how to like let all the noise go and really just kind of zone back in and focus. So I get to learn a little. I get to see how where I'm at, you know, where my heart is at, where my brain is at. And yeah, so reading is a kind of a big thing I try to do every day. Cool. Cool. What uh, what are you reading right now? Oh, I've always got <laughs> it's funny. I've always got a, a stack of books in my bag and people are often like, oh, are you returning stuff to the library? I was like, no, this is, it's my book bag. And it's I just have a, a rotating um, library. So right now, a friend just lent me a book. I never remember book titles or mm. authors. I'm shit when it comes to <laughs> names and titles. So I just started reading a book a friend at work gave me something about we are briefly gorgeous. Uh, I don't know. It's um a book he really liked and thought that I would like. So I think it's like the sort of a queer nonfiction type of thing. I'm, I don't know. I you just don't know. You it. just put it in your hand and start reading it. Exactly. <laughs> it was good. I'm reading an Eckhart Tolle book because 
that's like my spirit. I like to have a spiritual book. I like to have a, a fiction book. I like to have a nonfiction book. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I like to have a little bit of everything. Harris, the librarian Milgram. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, exactly. Let's redo the intro. <laughs> well, let's redo. All right, so let's have a post-workout shake. We're going to wrap this thing. What's your favorite thing to do after a show or after Tootsie? You walk out of Tootsie. Are you in Times Square taking selfies with Mickey Mouse and <laughs> Spider-Man? Like, are you uh, getting a soggy hot dog off the stand? What are you doing? Sometimes. Okay. Um, my favorite thing, this is so cheesy. And yeah, give it to it's us. It's embarrassing. Well, it's not embarrassing. It's embarrassing because we get, you know, dumb about it. But my favorite thing to do is call my boyfriend. Okay. I call him after every You're show. You're just trying to get points on that's, this thing. Oh, that's my a, That's gosh. exactly right. No, I, I really do. Um, you know, when we first started dating, uh, I called him a couple days into our dating and he answered the phone very confused and was like, hello. I said, hi, how are you? He's like, are, did you mean to call me? I go, yeah. He goes, no one ever calls. I said, well, I, I do because uh -huh. uh, I like to talk to people in real time. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of texting. In fact, I had to stop. I had to ask him to stop texting me and respect and expecting a response because I just wasn't going to. I was like, mm. if you want to talk to me, talk to me. Mm. Pick up the phone and call. That's I'm old school like that. So old school. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, it just was always a thing. You know, when I when I leave the theater, I I would call him and you know just chat and catch up and you know I live with him now, so I know I'm going home to see him. But it's just it's just my tradition. I just call and check in and see what he's doing. Also, he's a normal human, so. We have total opposite schedules. I never see him barely. Mm. So any any minute that I can get to in real time communicate with him is wonderful. So yeah, that's what I always do after the show. And that's something I always look forward to. And it's nice. Cool. <laughs> All right, Harris. Well, thanks for being on Built for Stage podcast. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right. Thanks again for joining us on Built for the Stage podcast. If you want to try a free trial, just go to the website, builtforthestage.com or go to Instagram at builtforthestage and DM me. Once again, that was Harris Milgram. He's got great branding. Easy to find him. Go to his website, harrismilgram.com, H-A-R-R-I-S-M-I-L-G-R-I-M, or go to the Insta at Harris Milgram. Don't try to text him because he won't respond. <laughs> All right, until next time, it's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.